presence live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from all of us here at Real Presence Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Real Presence Live on this penultimate day of the year 2021 and the year of our Lord. Uh, Father Jason Leffer is joining me, Father James Gross, here in our Grand Forks studio. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy happy negative digits on the old thermometer. It is downright frigid. You know, whatever reprieve we had last year with regard to winter conditions, uh, Mother Nature is making up for. But there's always a, a silver lining to the cloud that the additional moisture will be helpful so, around the area. You know, you, sometimes people will make fun of those who go south for the winter, you know. Yes. Snowbirds and so forth, where it's warmer and all that. Well, I can testify that it's not so bad. I just the, uh, oh, I suppose it was about 40, 45 miles south that I drove this morning. The temperature increased by 12 degrees. So no kidding. There is something to going south for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess everybody is a banana belt related to some other well, place, sure. right? <laughs> Even though it's still, you know, negative five outside, it was a lot colder when I started this morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The uh, Our local college, the university, of North Dakota has a women's basketball player who is from Palmer, Alaska. And I'm just wondering, you know, what she's telling people, you know, back home and stuff. Maybe e- either she's saying, I thought it was cold where I grew up and, and <laughs> 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 but we'll see what uh, we'll see what her perspective is and uh yeah, winter is uh, in in full blast, but Enthusiasts of things like ice fishing, snowmobiling, they are in their glory. So the other day, I ran it, I mean, because I'm surrounded by, we've got a great snowmobile club up there. They mark everything, all this, and all this fresh snow, and I'm not seeing any snowmobiles out there. And I, so I ran into one and said, hey, what's the deal? We get all this snow. How come you're not snowmobiling? Said, oh, it's too cold. <laughs> 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 Those are the folks who load up their sleds on a trailer, drive down to Yellowstone, and ride for a few days because it's not as cold as it well, is around you, here. You can't have it all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So for our dear listeners, let's say in uh, the Black Hills region or uh, northwest, uh, northeast Wyoming, yeah, that's 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 what we're facing around How here. How about our folks in Duluth, Spirit Mountain? They must be very happy about this. Lutzen. is happy. you got snow and the yes, skiers are out. Yes. And, I think mm-hmm. my family's even coming up to go skiing this weekend, so people are excited. Oh, so. fantastic! Yes. Well, you just have to you have to embrace rather than to shake your fist at it. You have to embrace what this time of year brings. Doesn't us. I, I think we we pray this every feast day and every Sunday and every right? Uh, ice and snow, bless the Lord. Wind and rain, bless the Lord. Ice yes, and cold, yes. bless the chill and frost, <laughs> bless the Lord. Yes, yes. Daniel chapter three <laughs> and our liturgy of the hours Sunday morning prayer. So. Um, Father, if I could call upon you as we begin our show today to uh, lead us off with a prayer. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, and giver of life into our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memories. Awaken all of our spiritual faculties, especially our faculty of hearing and understanding. Uh, give to us knowledge and wisdom. 
comprehension of the word, the eternal word, Jesus Christ, uh, made incarnate, the word made flesh. Heavenly Father, we think especially this day of Mary, Mother of God, uh, the ever-virgin, ever-mother, miraculous birth. We think of the three wise men, who by now they must be setting out in, in their approach, uh, coming to <coughs> testify to who this child is. And um, Heavenly Father, we are filled with joy, with glory, with glee at, uh, at your love for us that you would become man. And Heavenly Father, we just ask you to bless all those, keep them safe, especially those in extreme temperatures and uh, those who are in need of proper housing, shelter, food, safety, protection uh, at this hour. And uh, we ask all of our listeners to be filled with the glory and the joy of, of the Word made flesh and eternal salvation. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got a great show lined up for you. In the next hour, we'll be visiting with Jason Atkins from the Minnesota Catholic Conference. But first of all, as is our custom as hosts here on Real Presence Live, we'll have our monthly sachet down literary lane. We have uh, Nancy Gord with us this morning again. Welcome back, Nancy. Well, thank you so much. Are you sacheting, Nancy? Oh, I am. <laughs> and we, well, I, I, I'd rather not picture our next uh, person uh, sashaying, Father William Slattery, priest of the Diocese of Fargo. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe he is. Heaven only knows. <laughs> so how was your you know, Christmas? Probably, it was very good. Yes, I spent it, uh, the Christmas breakdown with uh, my family in the Twin Cities, so... Very nice. And and how about you, Nancy, able to spend some great time with your family here? Yes, I was. If not in person, we certainly had some wonderfully long and informative and uh, loving phone conversations. So, yes, it was good. Right. You know, at the very tail end of this past weekend, there was a significant storm that came through uh, the Northern Plains, and I think that... Uh, in some cases derailed a few people's travel plans or perhaps uh, caused them to stay behind for another day or two rather than to brave the conditions as they were coming back home. But it's great to have you folks with us today. So, um, Father Slattery, I think uh, our selection today was kind of your um, uh, your brainchild here. Uh, give us a little bit of an introduction on the work of literature that we are going to be discussing today. Yes, uh, so we're doing a play uh, that was written by the French poet and playwright uh, Paul Claudel. Um, uh, it's called The Tidings Brought to Mary. And uh, the play is uh, kind of a uh, one that I encountered in my eye studies of moral theology, uh, kind of reflecting uh, the, the beauty of the encounter of faith. Uh, there's a wonderful kind of introduction of one of the versions done by um, <clears throat> by Giussani, kind of one of the founders of, of the Communion of Liberation, and she talks about just this uh, kind of beauty of that Paul, uh, Paul Claudel brings out of, of uh, how, how grace is, is really this transformative experience. And so uh, I, I suggest it because the, the play kind of hinges around the, the encounter of, of, of Christmas, and, uh, and so I know uh, I Nancy found that she, had, she hadn't read this before, and I don't, I'm not sure about uh, either of you, uh, Father, uh, it was, it was brand new to me. You, you, and, you and, opened my world. And, and, and yeah. uh, to me as well. Yeah, but it's one that uh, Benedict XVI often would reflect upon and, and point out as, uh, as one of the kind of principal uh, writings of, the, of this kind of modern period. Um, so that's a little bit of the history. Uh, uh, very simply, though, the plot of the, uh, the play centers around uh, a family 
Uh, and uh, so kind of the figure of uh, the father uh, out of her course, and uh, who who is kind of a very gratuitous, generous man, uh, kind of reaching the end of his years. Um, and uh, and then his, his, his daughters, and uh, kind of this encounter with uh, this figure, uh, Pietro di Caron, uh, who is an uh, architect. And so kind of these central figures of Anna, Pietro, and then uh, and then uh, Volain, who is kind of the daughter of Anna Vercors. And so uh, a little bit of the mystery of their life and how uh, you have these, the, the kind of dynamic of, of their encounter with the Lord um, through the, the mystery of suffering. And um, I guess, Nancy, I'd like to bring you in here in, in, in the conversation because um, having um, researched uh, a little bit this uh, play for our um, for our conversation today, I'm always curious to hear about your initial, you know, kind of reactions or, you know, just uh, was it something you had to kind of wrestle your way through? What was your experience uh, with this work? Well, first of all, I want to say that the translation was a very comfortable read. Okay. And I was rather surprised by the nature of the plot, because with the title, The Tidings Brought to Mary, it kind of leads to certain expectations. Mm-hmm. But really, it, it centers around, they have three central characters, um, Violaine and Pierre, and the father's name is Anne, and... They are the good. They are the good, especially the LN, because not to give away too much, but because of her loving compassion and her forgiveness for Pierre, who had tried to assault her. He desired her, and she did send him off. She is so forgiving and loving, and she gives him a ring for the cathedral he is about to build. And she is so full of love and gratitude for everything she has, and so full of pity for his misery. He has become a leper, that she kisses him, and she becomes a leper herself and an outcast. And it is her suffering and her love that is so prevalent through this play. It was profoundly moving. And, and one thing I do want to mention, too, it is set in the 1430s, I believe, in France which was a time of great upheaval for that country. You know, with nobody clearly on the throne, an issue with the who is the true pope, and different things like this. And so uh, the father, who leads her a pilgrimage, is quite well off, but not very many people are. Mm-hmm. And the uh, perpetual war with England, uh, St. Joan of Arc. Right. And so right. the author yes, is trying to bring us into that into that general setting, rather than thinking, you know, about casting it or, you know, setting it in the present day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it was written in 1912. And so there was a a bit of time, obviously, passage there, and you're looking at it with that 1912 eye. And so it'd be interesting, Mm -hmm. too, when you go back and you look at Europe at that time. But if, if you know anything about Joan of Arc in that history, and we're all at least somewhat familiar, that it is during that time period, there is message to the maid uh, who was leading an army and people kneel in respect to her. And then later on in the play, because I think it, it encompasses eight years, they do mention the ashes of, of Joan of Arc. But it is profoundly moving. And uh, I thought, considering it's a translation from the French, uh, quite a comfortable read. 
You know, and I, I think, you know, I'd say why it was so profoundly moving is, is, is like, um, I'd say at the heart of it is love, right? And, oh. and, and Christ, and, you know, the, the incarnation of love and, and how it, love comes through and, and all the, 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 the purity of life, the, the goodness of life, the ugliness of sin, uh, redemption. Whole, I mean, it, it is just a profound expression of, of Christian love. Oh, without a doubt. And I saw as I read it, you have the two sisters, uh, Via Lynn and Mara. I, I'm, I'm pronouncing it Mara. And what it's almost, it's like Cain and Abel. Right. Mm. It, in terms of, of one being the good and the sacrificing, and the other, uh, you know, well, the murderer. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, you get that little even with the name uh, Mara means bitter. Uh, right. You just kind of get this natural sense of of one Valen who is just kind of filled with kind of this real essence of, of beauty, of goodness, and just this uh, gratuitousness of, of love in, in the present moment. Um, like all of her lines are just kind of this capturing of you know how how good life is, and you know, and, and how beautiful it is. And then her sister, who is uh, con- oh, you know, contrarian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, Flesh that out for uh, us yeah. just a little bit more. I'm sorry? I was in just going to ask you to flesh, just quickly flesh that out a little bit more in terms of kind of that profile of the two characters. Yeah, oh. yeah. I think uh, you get a little bit of uh, this, you really kind of setting up uh, these two as, as some uh, foils um, of mm-hmm. each other. Um, and then, and then, and then, I think in the heart of I think Claudel's play is, is really that capturing of of what love really means. So that it, love goes beyond just kind of this uh, reality of kind of a tenderness or kind of affection, but it's this real conscious decision to bear with and to endure uh, uh, with with others' imperfections and the power that love brings. Um, where you, so you get that in Volaine, Volaine, who ultimately then becomes another leper because of her compassion, her mercy, mm-hmm. her love that endures all this. And even okay. with her sister, her sister is very petty, um, jealous um, of of her, of Volaine's kind of beauty, of her mm-hmm. love with her fiancé, kind of seems to have everything, and spends her whole kind of life um, embittered by uh, what she's seen as, as what she doesn't okay. have. And well, so, and that um, a lot of that is ahead, because yeah. her older sister was the favorite. You know, she was yes. she was the darling. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there's the scene with the miracle with the baby, and I thought that was one of the greatest scenes in in dramatic literature I'd ever read. Good deal. Well, we're going to have to kind of step aside for just a moment here, and um, we are discussing the play The Tidings Brought to Mary by Paul Claudel, and we will have Nancy and Father Slattery with us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. On a Thursday, Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, priest of the Diocese of Fargo. We're coming to you from the near Southside Historic District in beautiful downtown Grand Forks. Um, Chilly, but beautiful, you have to say. Uh, Chilly, frigid. <laughs> Frigid uh, downtown Grand Forks, yes, in the, in the Grand Cities. And um, at the uh, bottom of the hour, we will begin our straight talk segment. So we always like to mention that ahead of time that we love to receive your questions and uh, feedback about things happening in the church and the world. You can leave those questions on the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. We'll also give you that number, 877 795 to call in. You know, we're, we're, we're here uh, speaking again. Uh, what was it? sashaying down our literary lane uh, here. But, but again, I, have, I just have to say, like, I'm, I'm actually shocked that I have not heard of this play previous, you know, with all, yeah. there's so many ways where I could have come in contact with it, and, and I haven't, because I, as I look at the different connections, but again, it's, it's the tidings brought to Mary, and I think in a, in a moment here, we'll, we'll have the two of you really discuss, well, wh- what does the title mean, and how, how does that come out in the play? But I mean, I, I guess the reason I'm kind of shocked is just, I think, the depth of this play. And I, I can't, I, I'm, it, it's kind of shocking me that it's not more common, um, just because of how profound it is and how, how deep it is. I mean, it, it includes the Trinity. You have, you, have, you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit active mm-hmm. all the way through this play. You have the entire Paschal, well, first of all, basically you say the conception, life, suffering, death, resurrection, 
of Christ is present, the Paschal mystery. You have all these biblical themes. You've got um, even mir- the miracle. The, I, and there's so, I mean, it's just incredible. What's and Plus, you have the human experience, right, of the battle of faith and unbelief, of suffering and meaning of life, and, and kind of this, this theme of just um, learning how to be a faithful uh, Christian in your circumstances in life, and which which path are you going to choose? I mean, anyway, it's so profound. It's mm-hmm. shocking to me that it I didn't hear of it until now. So I, I'm a little embarrassed that I haven't. But I, I'm <laughs> saying this to let the, the listeners know, like it, it's a profound read, and it, it'll touch oh. the depths of you. So how about can we? Um, could the two of you? Could you what, what what does the title mean, and what does this have to do? And, and maybe you can tie it in there with. Um, uh, you know what happens here in, in the play. Well, I I thought so often throughout the play of the ideal, uh, the idea of a vessel, and also when Mary as the handmaid of the Lord. This reminds me of the primary female character. She is a vessel for love and for suffering, and she is so accepting of God's will, and that parallels Mary so much. It intersects with everything that, that Mary was and is to us today. And the miracle scene, which I've referenced a few times, when she is holding that child under her cloak, it, the images of Mary and the tenderness and the love just, just are profound in that scene. So I thought of it in terms of Lynn being a holder of God's love, and his mercy and his compassion and a willingness to do his will. Yes, and uh, I think like that uh, the image with Mary and, and Boleyn goes very deep just with like even some of the theological elements of um, you know uh, Boleyn, who you know life early on was a trajectory of one of just kind of uh, this you know usual maiden's life uh, you know to get married and maybe have kids suddenly takes a turn with her getting this leprosy, and there's almost, uh, you know, a way of, like, a theological statement of, like, from from kind of the diseased part of humanity, God's going to work some miracle of grace. And uh, and so this leprous ultimately is the one who will bring nutrition and food and life to this child born of her sister, uh, who is, is, is unable to produce, uh, produce breast milk um, and feed her child. And it's this kind of wonderful way of, like, the from the diseased, uh, from... It, what seems to be dead, this is where grace shows its kind of light and profound way. Um, it's through this vessel of love, a unique vessel of love. You know, and then there's... There, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Nancy. Oh, I was just going to quickly say that what struck me, too, is if you talk about the purity of Mary, it is so curious and paradoxical that the two lepers in this story are the chastest and most pure. Well, yeah. I was yeah, I was just going to bring right, up the so, in the most great. You know, I was just going to bring up that so in here, I mean, we really have these three characters that are kind of compared and contrasted, and like their their pathway of love. I'd say it's love is being brought out in three very distinct ways. One with Volaines, which I would say it has it, there's this powerful message of of purity, of virginity, of consecrated life, of you know making a pure gift to yourself that seems like such a waste according to the world right then, mm-hmm. then you have pierre and he, he he's like this uh, you could you could even say this repentant uh 
sinner the pathway of penance, really, and suffering. And what good is penance and suffering anyway? And yet, he's the one who creates beauty and a place for everyone in the world, mm-hmm. a belonging place. And then how about like on himself, like, what would you call him? Like, he's larger than life, kind of, he almost kind of represents God the Father in a certain way. But he, he goes off and does this great thing where it seems like, why would you do that? You're throwing everything away. It's such a waste. You're not even going to come back. And the fact that he even returns at the end and he, he, he does come back. And, but each one has such a distinct possible path of, mm-hmm. of love and expression. And it's just how they're woven together. You know, or, yeah. or express the life of grace, right? Yeah. And and Pierre is a stonemason architect of these great cathedrals, who are like his children. Is another one who fully realizes his gifts that God has given him, and works for the glory of God. And I don't know how many spoilers we want to give away here, but there's an interesting situation with Pierre's future too. I think. Yeah, go, in go terms ahead, of his health. <laughs> just dive in, yeah. Right. And I, I wonder if, if Pierre, I don't know how you all felt about this, but I think he is healed through her love. Well, I, I would say, I mean, I would even propose the idea that he becomes virgin in the end. Like he, yes. the, the love purifies him and he, he has become saint. You know, I mean, um, mm-hmm. at least that's what, that's what is communicated to me. Right, and that, that love is like, purified him physically as well. Which, I mean, for the reader, it gives such an incredible sense of hope. You know, like, oh. look, look, if, 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 if this can happen for Pierre, why can't it happen for me? Yes, and I think, like, Pierre really does signify a lot of, like, just the common experience of, of humanity. Of, you know, the, especially drawn by beauty, there's kind of this, you know, uh, there's an isolating quality almost of uh, sometimes that ideal of searching for God, an ideal can kind of be uh, uh, disconnected from the encounter with love. It can be uh, kind of alienating in the way you kind of see that as a figure of just the person who, you you know, is responsible for all this beauty and making all these cathedrals himself is, again, lonely. Right, uh, like there's there's no, it's almost like in the world, meaning the world of not of God, but there's no place for love. I mean, it's like love doesn't belong, love is cast out, you know? And beauty can only capture one dimension of that kind of experience of wholeness and and, uh, of of the divine. And so, but that that, that connection with Belaine and ultimately the true encounter with beauty in Belaine is the thing that brings him healing, hope, and ultimately salvation. Right. And the forgiveness that's evident at yeah. the end of the play. Yeah. Uh, forgiveness good. for the younger sister who has done terrible things. Mm-hmm. And how about, yeah. like, how do you, like, what would you say about when On returns and he sees, you know, in, in, in a way it looks like he's lost everything. And yet, you know, he kind of sums it up by saying, well, the whole goal here is basically is to learn how to die in this world. So that, right. So the eternal life comes. Yeah. Right. Right. Because when he returns from his pilgrimage, uh, I mean, I think eight years have passed, his wife is gone, and of course his beloved daughter is gone, and she had been so terribly ill, and and then suffered a violent death. And, uh, you know, that that he really just kind of grasped that is, what matters is what is yet to come. And we are all working here toward that glory. 
and right. this ability to be compassionate and merciful. Well, the in name of the, of the uh, yeah, the name of the play is "The Tidings Brought to Mary," and uh, it's interesting when you look at the uh, author's background, Paul Claudel. Um, I have uh, come across excerpts from his uh, writings and reflections that are used in the monthly uh, devotional Magnificat every once in a while, but uh, it's interesting that he was a uh, diplomat who traveled the world, and uh, that was kind of his primary gig, and, and the writing was, was happening on the side, but it's a, a reflection of a, of a deep spirituality and a life spent you know, contemplating deeply uh, the, the meaning of faith. Now, as we look ahead here to our, our next time, I remember that we had a discussion about uh, the possibility of a work by Flannery O'Connor. Are we still thinking about well, uh, going we that way? Could, we could look at, and I haven't had a chance to speak with Father Flattery on this, but we could certainly do that in another very short work, uh, Seed Folks, which is a series of vignettes. And okay. we could do a prayer journal by Flannery O'Connor, and then Seed Folks, which really speaks of a community and a garden by Paul Fleischman. Oh, yeah. fantastic. That like a we great will... plan. You're, that's just enough to whet our appetites. So uh, oh. it'll cause the listeners to have to tune in to make sure. But hey, that's uh, get, great. Get, get, get busy reading, folks. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, and the one thing I want to throw this out just really quick. You know, like we as we sashay down our literary uh-huh. lane. You know, each month we we'll do this to our, our listeners. There's no greater gift you can do than to read to your children. And mm. I, w- I would just, you know, encourage parents out there, read, read to your children. Uh, uh, mm. o- open up their imaginations to the whole uh, world of literacy right. and literature and let them hear your voice reading, reading to them. Yes, and so when, when grandmas and grandpas have the little ones over, as so often happened at Christmas time. Father Slattery and Nancy, thanks again so much for uh, giving us oh, your time right. here today. Yes, yes thank my you. pleasure. Wonderful. Well, after the break, uh, it will be time for you to call in. You've got questions. We've got answers. I think that was a slogan some business used to use. Straight Talk is coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 